Hey, it's Zach, and I'm back with another episode of Elevate and Accelerate. In this episode, I'm going to cover the final part of our three-part series, How to Build a Celebrity Expert Brand. In previous episodes, we covered the first two levers of the business trifecta, media and marketing. So today, I'm going to take a deeper look into the final of these three levers, PR, or public relations. There are a lot of different definitions and perspectives on what PR actually is and how it fits within the scope of businesses. So I'm going to share with you what I have learned about PR, one of the myths that I believe really comes into play here, and how all of this applies to you and your business to help you take it to the next level. So without further ado, let's get started. A simple Google search on what is PR will return all sorts of results, ranging from PR agencies telling you what PR should be to the opinion of marketing professionals, schools, universities, and even Public Relations Society of America. And if you look at each one of these things, you'll find some variation and differing opinions on what PR is and its purpose. Some would say that PR is managing how others see and feel about a person, a brand, or a company. Others would say that it is how you keep the public informed of the activities that are going on within your company. One definition said that public relations is the pr practice of maintaining and disseminating information from an individual to an organization. And yet another said that PR was how an individual or business maintains their reputation through earned and unpaid media. So if a business owner like myself or like you or anybody is looking at this situation and trying to figure out what is PR, how do I use it, what is it really about, and, and what's some way that I can effectively use it in my business, you would have a very different opinion on what it is and how to do it and probably leave you in a place where you're just more uncertain and unclear about what was even going on in the first place. And so my goal for you today, hopefully, is that you will walk away with a better understanding of PR, what I believe PR to truly be, and how that is going to have a greater impact on your business. So the idea that PR is somehow an individual or business's way of maintaining the reputation through earned and unpaid media, I believe is often the subconscious opinion of many businesses and business owners. And I also believe it's the one thing that is really probably the biggest hang up or myth of our time. I have yet to find exactly how or where this idea originated. It looks like somebody that I had studied called Ivy Lee, um, who's the one of the founders of uh, modern PR, um, who talked about the third party validation of a press release that comes from a company being published by a media channel, um, albeit verbatim, uh, and that media's credibility is then transferred over to, you know, the, uh, the company as a result, right? It's that third party validation. We still use press releases today, but the onset of uh, social media and the internet and things have really changed the way that that plays out, muddying the word, the muddying the waters even further. So what I want to touch on here is this idea of earned media versus paid media. Without going a lot into it, I think we can all agree to some extent these are two separate things. There is media that we pay for, which is advertising, and then there's media that is earned. 
even if we look at something like social media on Facebook, there's a difference between me posting something on my Facebook channel and then actually paying to boost that post or paying for an actual ad that reaches a wider audience. So we can see how there's even a difference in those two things. Now, the misconception comes into play here, I think, for most people when they think that the only way that they could get media or media coverage or leverage media credibility and different things like that is only if and when they earn it. Now, I liken this a lot to, um, to, let's say, a music artist or a musician. Let's say somebody is a singer-songwriter, they're extremely talented, and they are waiting on the side of the road for the right person to walk by and discover them and give them a record deal. Now, is that a viable opportunity for them? Sure. I'm pretty sure Justin Bieber got his start that way by just posting his videos on social media and uh, singing on the side of the road. And he was found by the right person that led to an amazing career. Now, is that going to happen for everybody? No. In fact, there are probably more talented artists and singers out there than Justin Bieber who just haven't been found. And yet, does that mean that they are somehow not qualified or not good enough to be able to have a record deal for one of these agencies? Probably not. The difference is, is that there are a lot of artists out there who would be willing to take their information, take, take their skill set and do something about it. Rather than standing on the side of the road, this singer, songwriter, and artist decides that they are going to find a local uh, recording studio and they're going to cut their own their own album right there on the spot. They're going to pay for studio time. They're going to pay to have it mastered. They're going to pay to have it developed. They're going to pay for all the different things that go into producing a album. Then they're going to take that album and then they're going to pay to put it into the hands of the people that they think might be interested, the record labels or talent agents or whoever it might be that they've identified that gives them the best shot at getting a record opportunity. And now if we were to look at this person and they were out there paying for this media, paying for the opportunity to get in front of the right audiences, and then they happen to get in front of the right audience because of the work that they put in, we would congratulate them for the effort that they put forth in order to be able to do that. On the other hand, if we're talking about media from the perspective of a business owner, there's this connotation that you shouldn't have to pay for media or pay for media placements or pay to be in the front of your audience in, a, in any particular way, because somehow that takes away your credibility or the validation or everything that comes from it. I'm here to submit to you that that's not true. It's like a straw man argument. I don't think that there is any real reason why having earned media versus paid media versus this media really plays a difference. And I'll tell you why. At least on a foundational level, I would say that you could get earned media and not be a good person and use that earned media to manipulate the audience and to change their perspective and not be a good person behind all of that. And so you're taking advantage of the earned media that you get just because for some reason you were chosen over another. Maybe you're more charismatic, maybe you're more this or that, or you have the right relationships, whatever it might be. I really truly believe that there are so many business owners out there who are genuinely good at what they do and passionate about helping more people. And yet they are constantly stuck on the sidelines because they are waiting for the local media channels or publications or even national channels to find them or to see them or to see the work that they're doing and then somehow put their stamp of approval on them as if that really matters. Now, to some extent it does because we're talking about PR and we've talked about media earlier and marketing and how all of these things play together. But I submit to you that there is a different approach to PR that is going to help you build better and deeper and more authentic relationships with your audience. 
part of it is validation. It is third-party credibility. I don't have anything against the traditional pros to have earned media and PR agencies, but the idea of earned media to me, like I said before, seems to be a bit of a misnomer. If you had the bandwidth and the, and the budget to be able to hire a PR firm or a PR person, you are still in some way, shape, or form paying for the media that you get subsequently. Now, you may not be paying directly for that media, but if you hire a PR firm, you're paying them for their relationships in order to get you onto a media spot. That's the full intention of working with a PR agency. And then when you do, okay, great. You got on there because of the relationships and the things that they've been able to leverage and so on and so forth. Now, at some point you still have to show up and be yourself and be authentic and actually genuinely have something to share, but that's true across the board. If you're going to show up in front of somebody and leverage that media further and further down through your marketing, you still have to show up and be who you say you are. Otherwise, people will see through it. Maybe not right away, but eventually that they will. So I really think this idea of, of media and how we leverage it and how we use it and even how we get it is, is creating a problem within our businesses, especially for small to medium businesses. And my goal today is hopefully to give you all the information that you need to at least make the best decision for you and what you believe PR is and how media should happen. I think in order to be able to do that, we've got to start with a little bit of a history lesson around what PR is and how it got started. So when I look back over these things and when I do a little bit of research, what I found is that there are two primary personalities when it comes to PR. First of these is Ivy Lee. The other one is Edward L. Bernays. Ivy Lee comes onto the scene in the early 1900s. His idea of a press release was first introduced in 1904. Ivy Lee is often credited as the founder of, founder of modern PR and is most known as being hired by John D. Rockefeller, who was the richest man in the world at the time, to change his public image from a vilified oil tycoon into a well-loved philanthropist. Now, the way that Lee did that was constantly putting out press releases and news articles and different things that talked about all the great things that John D. Rockefeller was doing on his philanthropic side. So it was taking the attention away from everything else that was going on that the public seed him um, and how the public viewed him and had them focus on his philanthropic endeavors and things like that. John D. Rockefeller didn't really change. It wasn't a huge change of who he was, but he was successful in changing the public's opinion about John D. Rockefeller. Now, in 1917, President Wilson created a committee called the Committee on Public Information. Their primary objective was to change the public opinion on the, on, uh, to support the U.S. entering World War I. Now, we fast forward a little bit into the, the mid to late 1900s, and we've got Edward Bernay on the scene, whose obituary literally referred to him as the father of public relations. So we've got Ivy Lee and Edward Bernays. Now, Edward Bernays is somehow related to Sigmund Freud, and so he brought a lot of that sort of uh, psychological approach to his PR and marketing. In fact, one of his most groundbreaking books on the subject, Crystallizing Public Opinion, and another one called Propaganda, really set the tone for what PR is today. And it was his PR campaigns that really led to what modern marketing is, which centralizes around appealing to the target audience's deeper desires. 
the dramatic change in advertising was really portrayed in the fictional TV show Mad Men, which I'm sure many of you are at least aware of, which really focuses on the characters who work at one of New York's most sought after ad agencies. Now, while this took place in the early 1600s, which was about 40 years after Bernays groundbreaking campaigns in the 1920s, it really shows the impact that his strategies had on modern marketing and advertising. When it became less about the features and benefits of a product and more about the emotional appeal. This approach still continues today. So as of one of the most well-regarded figures in the space, Bernays' primary goal in his campaigns was to change the public's opinion and ultimately their decision-making, which led them to choose one brand over another. By just taking these things together and combining them all, you can see how there is a definition of what public relations is and where it really came from, from a strategic communication that changes the public's opinion and leads them to a decision to choose one brand over another. The Public Relations Society of America goes on to define what public relations is to them. I think it's probably one of the better definitions. And what they say, and I'll paraphrase, is that public relations is about strategic communication between a company and its publics that leads to mutually beneficial relationships. I like this definition because it brings relationships into the conversation, but because it also talks about it being mutually beneficial. As you can see over time, and what I think a lot of us believe to be true, is that there's uh, a lot of media platforms and a lot of different things without getting into that conversation where those platforms are being used to manipulate the public and change their opinion about things. And we are no longer sure about what is true and what isn't true. We just know what we're being told. As you can see, going all the way back to World War I, President Wilson used information to change the public's opinion to, in support of entering World War I. We know that Hitler had a huge propaganda campaign to change his world uh, and his network's view of the Nazis. Now, in response to that, the U.S. had also created what they called the U.S. Office of War Information, which censored war news, created documents of social change, and then also created a central means for government communication about the war. Again, changing and uh, controlling the conversation around all of this stuff. It's rhetoric and propaganda. Going all the way back to Aristotle and Plato, who are some of the earliest people to talk about how rhetoric can be used to influence uh, cultures and governments and to change the conversation, we can see how all of these things play together. It's easy to see, at least for me, why PR can be seen in a skeptical and negative light. Because it all comes back to intent. The intent of the person who's using the media platform to change or to manipulate the conversation with the audience. For me, it doesn't matter then whether that media is earned or paid for. It's a platform of strategic communication, going back to that original definition from the Public Relations Society of America, it is a platform of strategic communication in which a company or an individual communicates to its public what it is that they want them to know. The difference being is, again, the intent behind what everybody is doing. 
If my intention is to manipulate the market, to trick my audience, and to make them think that I'm something that I'm not, well, that's just a tool that's, be that's being used for the wrong reasons. It doesn't mean the tool itself is bad. Staying away from political conversations here. It means the reverse of that is also true. If you, as a business owner who truly believes and knows that you have the capability, capacity, understanding, knowledge, skill set, expertise, experience, and everything else to really make a better and, and greater impact in the lives of the people around you, they just have no idea who you are, and you're afraid to step into using media or leveraging media or even paying for media because of the connotations that come along with it then you don't get in front of your audience and you're not able to help the people that really need help. They're going to find the people that are, and they might not be the people who want to help them. And so almost it gets to a point where leveraging PR and using media and third-party validation, whether or not it's paid for to, to have strategic conversations with your audience that again, ultimately leads to mutually beneficial relationships where you help them and they are helping you because they have to pay for your services. So we talk about this in the context of what we call joyful impact. Joyful impact simply defined is when you get to live the life that you've always wanted and have the business you've always wanted as a result of helping other people live the lives that they always wanted by providing a solution to their particular problem. So I believe that this is just a misconception or a misdefinition or just something that works its way into our psyche because of the level of skepticism that has come out of the PR channels because it has been used by the wrong people in the wrong ways that it shaped the way that we think about it today. And I hope that in some way we can change the way that we think about it so that the people out there who are really genuinely passionate and on a mission to make a greater impact in the lives of other people get the platform that they need in order to be able to do it without having to wait to be discovered by some media personality who then tells them that they're valid. When really there's opportunity out there to control that conversation, to get out there into that conversation and to be able to do it. And what I submit to you and what I'll show you here shortly is that public relations is so much more than just third-party validation. It is a part, but there's two other accelerators. So on that note, let's jump into the next phase of this conversation, going back to everything that we had been talking about with these three levers. When we talked about media marketing and PR, we talked or media and marketing specifically, we had three levers for each one of those or three accelerators for each one of those levers. The same thing is true for PR. We have three accelerators, validation, reputation, and community. And just like our previous examples, I've got some questions that I'll ask you and some truths that I'll shine with uh, and a scale that you can rate yourself on and some truths about what that exactly is. And I hope as a result, we can tie all of these things together so that you have a better understanding that public relations is all about relationships and in your ability to be able to uh, control the conversation in a way that shows your audience of who you are, what you do, and how you help people and also incorporates in that third-party credibility and third-party validation that backs up what you are saying. So on that note, let's start with what most people know or most people think about when we talk about PR, validation. Validation, uh, and the question that goes along with it is simply this, to what extent do internal and external sources validate what you do and how you do it so that others see the impact you are making in the lives of those around you? Again, coming back to this idea of PR and media, a lot of times people don't understand that press releases are more often than not sent 
from the companies themselves. Whether or not they get picked up by other news channels is something completely separate. Very often, there are not journalists out there writing about each and every single company that's out there until something catches their attention and they want to know more, often from other media or press releases or things that happen. Some great examples of this are, are two. Um, one is when ESPN um, had officially purchased the documentary Dick Vitale that uh, Nick Nanton um, directed and produced, along with uh, many of our clients as well. When they purchased that, they were the ones to set out a press release, which was ultimately picked up by other press channels. They wrote it in the third person, and the contact information goes back to ESPN and ESPN Films. Great. Another example of this is most recently where a press release was done about, um, about an upcoming uh, collaboration with OUR, Mel Gibson, and DNA Films. This was a, actually a post that ended up going viral. And so now we're getting contacted by journalists all the time wanting to know more about this particular press release so they can write their own thing, right? So, so all of these things in media and how it works and the media channels and the media beast, if you will, all work together in very different ways. So how do you as a small to medium business owner and professional leverage these opportunities? Well, it starts with you writing your own press releases and sending them out there. So even if anybody's looking for you and searching for these things, they can see that type of internal communication that has an external feel where you're communicating to your audience what's going on. Because here's the reality. If you're not talking about it, nobody else is either. So here's the questions and a scale of one to 10 on how to rate yourself on that question, right? So again, to what extent are internal and external sources validating what you do and how you do it so that others see the impact you are making in the lives of those around you? On the scale of one, that happens. You're not even sure that third-party validation is even a thing. On the other scale, on the other side of the scale, you have a 10, which is you have a statue in town, in town square right? Everybody in your community knows who you are. They see you as a pillar of the community and they even built you a statue. Um, obviously a little bit tongue in cheek, but you can see uh, the, the differences between these two things and apply it for, to your particular market. So here's the truth. Third-party validation confirms what you and your clients are saying, and it's a necessary tool in growing your business and your brand. Now, where that third-party validation comes from is again, a topic of dis discussion. It could be a uh, it could be a podcast that you're invited on. It could be um, a local news article. It could be a local news channel. Um, but again, people see this media from very different lights. Even if you were hoping to get onto a local news channel, what you do and how you leverage that media afterwards is really what the greatest impact is. Because the reality is is that it's not a business model to just show up on a local channel once or even twice in most cases. Because if you look at it, that audience, as big or small as it might be, isn't made up of all of your ideal clients. And even of your ideal prospects that are there and watching the show, not many of them are gonna stop what they're doing to give you a call. So it's all about how you leverage that credibility of the fact that you've been on a TV show or the fact that you've been in a publication or the fact that you have been featured or covered or otherwise. But again, it's back to you talking about that and sharing that conversation with your audience. Okay. So that's validation. 
uh, that could be press releases. That could be, um, you could use press releases for that. There's uh, awards, there's accolades, there's certification credentials. There's a lot of different things that kind of play into what that validation is, right? If you have, um, if you have third-party designations, that applies as well. I know I work with a lot of people like CPAs and uh, ESQs, right? That shows M MDivs, right? That you, uh, that you have a Masters of Divinity like I do. Um, and so there's a lot of these other third-party validations that can, uh, that can give you credentials and credibility. The next one of these is reputation, the next accelerator here. Here's the question behind it, which will actually give you a peek into what reputation is about, in my opinion. How much influence does your core values have on you and your business so that others are attracted to you just based on what they believe about you and what you believe? Okay. Now, if you rate your scale on a scale of one to 10, again, one is you have no idea what your core values are. And 10 being our core values are a key differentiating factor and something that we use in our business. Okay. So rate yourself on that. Chances are you have core values. It is an operating system that not only influences your decisions, it influences the culture of your company and the mission that you are on. It also directly impacts what the public believes about you and your bottom line. Now, a lot of times why people don't think that there's a whole lot of importance to having their core values or articulating their core values, or um, even some time ago, there was a huge uh, push for large companies talking about what their values were. Um, and, you know, I think for a time that was really great, but they all seem to be sort of the same. And so I think now people don't pay attention to that as so much, or so we thought. There's a study done by Accenture Strategies that put together a bunch of different information of consumers globally buying from purpose-led companies. And their, their study found that more than half of consumers really care about companies that have a purpose, that have a mission, and the way that they communicate that through their ethics, through their values. To put that into a better perspective, what they found was that companies with a high sense of purpose increased in value by 175% over a 12-year period. That sounds great, right? 175%, that's amazing. Now, when you compare that to the median growth rate of companies that didn't show a high sense of purpose, their growth rate was an 86% growth over that same 12-year period. So companies with a high sense of purpose doubled their value in the same amount of time as the median. That's huge. Now, what they also found was that authenticity matters. 62% of their, of their audience said that their purchasing decisions were directly influenced by a company's ethical values and authenticity. I believe that to be true for every buyer out there and more true today post-pandemic. When people had an opportunity to really reflect on their values, reflect on the things that really matter to them, and it propelled us into where we are today. They care about authenticity, not just in their own lives, but in the companies and organizations and people that they work with. And so it is most important, I think, today for you as a business owner that if you do not have your values clearly articulated on your website and in different places where they interact with you. And if you're in your presentations and conversations that you have with your clients and prospects, if you aren't talking about the things that you hold valuable also in your business and to your employees, you're missing out on a huge opportunity just in that alone to grow your business. 
The third and final uh, third and final accelerator that I have here is community. Now in media, we talked about connection and here I'm talking about community. And I'm talking about community for a very particular reason and I'll show that to you here in a moment. Here's the question. When you walk into a room with your target audience, to what extent are people drawn to you? Do they line up to talk to you? Are they wanting to say, hey, I heard about your story. I saw that you were doing this. My buddy told me about that. You know, I just wanted an opportunity to meet you. Thank you so much for what you do, X, Y, and Z. Here's the scale of one to 10. One, nobody knows who I am. 10, people are lining up. Now, again, this isn't about your ego. I remind you about something I talked about a little bit earlier, which comes down to intent. If you truly believe that you have the ability to help people and to make a difference in their lives, then at some point, it's important for you to let them know that you exist. And when you do that, when you consistently show up and provide value to your audience, they are inspired to take action and they want to learn more from you. Going back to the media again, because all these things overlap, going back to media, you look at how your content system positions you as an authority, but your content system also provides value to your audience, your community in a way that inspires them to take action. Now that action might not be hiring you for your services. Using my wife as an example, she loves Joe Dispenza and the information. In fact, she digests information more so than anybody else I have ever seen. She's listening to podcasts about health and wellness and this thing and that thing and Joe Dispenza and that. Like, I mean, it is phenomenal. And she takes on so much information from that. Now, going back to this Joe Dispenza example, she's been listening to him for a pretty long time now. In fact, she's also been telling our friends and family members and, and everybody else that they should be listening to Joe Dispenza too. And many of them have. So she, here she is in this particular audience space as one of his biggest advocates. Nobody else in our group was talking about him. And now many of us are listening to his books, reading his, his articles and, and engaging on his podcast and content. Yet my wife has not bought a single thing from Joe Dispenza. Somebody else has, right? You know, other people in our friends group have purchased things, maybe even if it was just his book or a meditation course or whatever it was. But here is somebody who is not a client. And I can tell you that there is nothing on Joe Dispenza's CRM list or program or anything that shows my wife as a viable lead that is a sales opportunity right now. There are people who are watching you. There are people who land on your website or engaging with your content and you have no idea, but your ability to have that third party validation to leverage your media into your marketing and everything else that we've talked about up until this point and to consistently and constantly show up and provide value to your audience. You are having an impact in a way that you don't even know. Until somebody raises their hand, you have no idea that they're looking, which is what makes business and business development really brand development so difficult because you don't see the return on your investment in a one-to-one -one ratio. The impact that you're having on your audience and in your community oftentimes is far greater than you even imagine. And until somebody lines up to come to you and said, hey, I read your book. I, I watched your videos, I listened to your podcast, and your tips and strategies and the things that you shared changed my life. And I just wanted to come up and thank you.
That's what community is. When you have an inspired audience that takes action, even if that action isn't buying your good or service. So here's the idea behind building a strong community and how PR and relationships all build together. Your ability to show up with your wisdom, your understanding, your knowledge, but also your values, your ethics, you as a person consistently and frequently is what's going to change the game. But it can't just be you, right? There's got to be third-party validation that's put into that. And so you can go out and hire a PR agency, if you will, to try to get you the media. You can hire a publicist. You can hire, you know, at some in some way, shape, or form, chances are you're going to have to pay somebody or something in order to get that type of media coverage. There are a percentage, albeit a small percentage of you out there who might be able to get that or have gotten that just organically. But you probably got that organically because there were other things that were put into place that when that media channel came and saw you, that they saw you as that subject matter expert before you got into their space or before you even knew that they were looking. They did that research on you. They went to their website. They went to their social media channels, et cetera. And so getting back to this business trifecta, it is imperative that all three of those elements of media, marketing, and PR are working together simultaneously and optimally to give you the best platform for growing your celebrity expert brand. And to remind you of what that is, a celebrity expert brand is you being known as the go-to authority in your particular field and in your particular market, however big or small that is. And when you can do that, and when you continue to do that over and over and over again and leverage those, th those three things in the ways that I've already shared with you, then what you will see is that it, it seems as if opportunity just starts to come to you. Your business will be transformed in ways that you didn't even imagine. To give you some uh, quick examples, uh, we have a real estate agent client who started with us almost a decade ago. He's done multiple books, TV shows, all these different things. Understood that having a personal brand was a great tool to building credibility and, and differentiating himself in the market space but he still had to show up and serve his clients and serve them well. And so with those two things combined, the media and then the PR, the validation and everything that came along with it, along with the marketing of putting that into the hands of the right people in the right audience at the right times and driving into opportunities and driving that into sales, he was able to get to a place where he does not promote his business. He doesn't have to. He is one of the most sought after agents in that particular space in Silicon Valley. To put that all together, he was actually the buyer's agent on the Elon Musk home that sold for $44 million, a ticket price that most agents would love to see in 10 years total. There's a bunch of other stories that I can share with that. Even Nick, right? Nick Nanton, who's the CEO and founder of our company, leveraged this same business trifecta to build his brand to what it is today. And when the time came for ESPN to purchase the Dick Vitale documentary, they didn't even want to see a cut. They just, they found out later, they looked Nick up, they saw he was already a 22-time Emmy Award-winning director and producer. He'd worked on this film and that film and that film. His film, his brand 
showed up. He already was a celebrity expert in their eyes. And when the time came, they didn't even want to see a cut. They just asked for the dollars. And, and, um, and the producer of um, uh, The Last Dance, Save the Last Dance, so the Jordan, uh, the Michael Jordan docuseries or docufilm, whatever it was, said that he had never seen that before. That's huge. And the reason why it's huge is because not because that's Nick's story and it's amazing and everything else, but because that is accessible to everybody. If you do the things that I'm telling you, my own, my grandfather would always tell me dress for the part that you want, not the part that you have. Now in my little eight year old brain, I had always assumed that that just meant if I want to be a manager, I should wear a suit to work. Right. As I got older and a little bit more wiser, I realized what exactly he was saying. But what he was saying is, is that my brand, what I put forth should communicate to the audience that when that time comes, when the opportunity shows that it, I am the most obvious choice, whether that's a prospect opportunity or an opportunity to take my business to the next level, whatever it is, I need to show up as if that's already there. So when the opportunity arrives, I'm already prepared and ready to go. Um, there's a, there's like a anecdote or like a quote or like whatever those things are. Um, uh, what is it like? Um, luck favors the prepared, something like that. Like that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? Opportunity just seems to come to these people because, because we think that they're just lucky or they just, you know, uh, they just seem to have it all right. Somebody from the outside, let's say an aspiring director or somebody who's, you know, done some films, but isn't really getting a, notor a lot of notoriety would look at Nick and say, 22 time Emmy award winning director and producer. Wow, he's arrived. And yet we know that this purchase of the film by ESPN is actually what then catapulted Nick into this next level where all of those opportunities are coming. Opportunities that we never even expected. Opportunities that are at a higher ticket price than we could have imagined five, six years ago. But yet, when the opportunity was ready, so was Nick, so was his brand, so was his image, and everything else aligned. So it just looked like that's how it happened. It was just the stars aligned. It must have been luck, right? But that's not true. And so you can take the business trifecta of media marketing and PR and the things that I share with you here to build your own celebrity expert platform and then to leverage that into more and more opportunities. And as people land on your website and engage with your content, your community builds, you will see that same level of transformation in your own business, in your own ways, and that align with your own story. So I got to wrap. I've been talking about this for a while. Hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully it gave you some idea, a little bit more of what PR is and how you can use it. Uh, if that's the case, great. Um, and if you found this helpful, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, let people know that this exists, help them out too. Because like I said, our mission is to help the right people help more people. And so if this helped you, help someone else by sharing it as well. Cheers. Cheers.